Welcome to the Glory Podcast. We're so glad that you're listening. Our mission is to declare God's glory. Please visit glorychurchkc.com to hear all of our other messages. Well, guys, it's always interesting uh, coming on. You know that when it's Thanksgiving because your numbers are dramatically less. And I, though I knew that on a... Uh, like when you're in a organized set, meeting Sunday, have Sunday worship, and we've seen that happen, but it happens with us too <laughs> in the room. So people are going off to Thanksgiving, but we're so excited, so thankful that you guys are here. Uh, we've been tackling our values, um, and yeah, a little plug, this evening is our worship night. We would love uh, for you guys to be a part of it, uh, to not just be a part as in, as in um coming and and joining in but if possible if you're able to be there at four the more hands the better uh that just means the the quicker we can get things set up and the quicker we can do uh what we want to do is just pause and pray over the night so please come and uh if you're able we had uh 67 this morning I saw people respond on Facebook, which is really exciting. I have no idea what that means for the turnout tonight, um, but 67, so I'm just praying over those 67 people, uh, their kids, their families, and we are uh, excited. We've been going over values because each week we've talked about that uh, when a church does not talk about show, proclaim their values, then other things will always come in because we, we are the type of people that anything that's in front of us becomes the most important thing to get done. And sometimes that's at the, the, state of, um, the stake of things that are really valuable that we need to keep going, keep doing, keep pushing through. And so we would just want to nail down at the beginning, these are our values, who we are, um, so we've talked through the week one, living his truth, week two, loving our neighbor, and for week three, I brought up Kate, so everyone say, hi, Kate. <laughs> this is my wife, Kate, for those of you who have not met her, uh, and I'm excited to, to teach this one together because our value this morning, our third one, is to serve our home, uh, to serve our home. And I'm really excited because home does not just mean what we think, but uh, it's so much bigger, and there's going to be a lot of different reasons uh, in, in facets of this, but another way we've said it is this, that we take ownership of our little kingdoms. Every one of us have little kingdoms, uh, our little kingdoms that uh, just anywhere we go, we have influence over, um, and anywhere that we have influence over, we as people are called to serve, and so we want to be a place that uh, takes ownership of those places, and it's bigger, wider than our homes, though it's encompassing, Right. So I want to talk a little bit just about our home at first because it's the serving our home is probably the first place you think of. Um, so if you think of the influence you have inside your home, so the, your influence is the capacity to have an effect on something. Um, so in our home, we pretty much have the capacity to affect everything, like um, what we eat. So last night we had frozen pizza for dinner. Woo! And yesterday morning we had cinnamon rolls, so it was like Woo! super healthy day. Um, but we did all of our Christmas decorating, and so it was kind of a special day to have those fun foods when we normally eat pretty healthy. But we have influence over what we eat. We have influence over what we watch. If you come over to our house, we could probably be watching Great British Baking Show, maybe some superhero shows, or Amen. Um, a Hallmark Christmas movie, because yes, I'm that person, and it is okay to decorate for Thanksgiving. <laughs> we decorated, yeah, yesterday. 
Um, but even more than that, we have the influence to change character, to change development. And so my hope is that our influence in our home can not only affect these little things, but also like influencing ourselves, like pushing ourselves to grow and to keep moving on to seek God. Influencing, if you have a spouse, like mm -hmm. helping each other, like learn to listen, to have patience. Or children, um, last night I was talking to Jack and he said, most of the times I think I'm pretty brave. And I was like, how beautiful that that is, that he thinks that he's brave. And I hope that that's something that like he has seen in us that we have been able to influence him. For sure. So we have influence in our home, but that extends outside. I mean, you have influence uh, over all the things that surround even Glory Church. If you're on our launch team, to be a part of the launch team, this is a house. And the proverbial four walls of Glory Church, uh, we want to have the value, the vision of serving, of, of realizing that we have influence in this place, uh, that it's not just Kate, but you have influence. God has empowered you. If you are uh, a new person, then with that comes new giftings, new abilities, new challenges, um, but so many new things that we are to cultivate together. You have influence in this place. We have influence as to uh, how, how this area will look. Uh, we, we serve our home. We, we have influence over uh, how we operate when people come in, uh, how we love, and in every single way, we want to take ownership of that. But that also extends far beyond because um, far outside of even Glory Church, because each of you have a job, a workplace, and we like to just slide into our work, uh, sit down on that, that desk, open up the computer, slide into those classes, whatever it may be, and try to be unseen. Maybe you had a bad day, a bad morning, and we try to be unseen, but we want to be people who take influence, who, who, who take ownership of every little kingdom that we have. Uh, everyone who looks at you and sees you, you automatically have influence over. If you're a believer, you're called then to lead them to an understanding of who God is. That's a scary thing because how much of our office spaces are we leading to a wrong understanding of God because we're just not owning our influence in that place. They see us getting angry and reacting. Uh, but we want to be a, a church that in all areas serves our home. If you think about it, wherever we are given influence, we are given the calling, Scripture says, to serve it. Uh, wherever we are given influence. So this stretches far beyond last week's love our neighbor. This, this is a, a service, an active, anywhere that I have influence, I'm going to have take the ownership of doing it, uh, of serving in fact, I want to root this sort of in Scripture. So if you have a Bible, if you want to take notes, it's, it's going to be Romans 12, verse 9, where we're going to land, and I'll scoot over so you can see it. Um, but Paul says this to the church in Rome. He says, Let love be genuine, hate what is evil, hold fast to what is good, love one another with a mutual affection, outdo one another in showing honor. Outdo one another in showing honor. Do not lag in zeal, be ardent in spirit, serve the Lord, rejoice in hope, be patient in suffering, persevere in prayer, contribute to the needs of the saints, extend hospitality to strangers, bless those who persecute you, bless and do not curse them, rejoice with those who rejoice, weep with those who weep, live in harmony with one another, do not be haughty, but associate with the lowly. Do not claim to be wiser than you are, do not repay anyone evil for evil, but take Thought for what is noble in the sight of all. If it is possible, so far as it depends on you, live peaceably with all. 
Beloved, never avenge yourself, but leave room for the wrath of God, for it's written, vengeance is mine, and I will repay, says the Lord. No, if your enemies are hungry, feed them. If they are thirsty, give them something to drink, for by doing this you will heap burning coals on their head. Do not overcome by evil, but overcome evil with good. In my, in my mind, I picture this, uh, if the kingdom of God is a house, and there's this huge dinner table that we all dine at. At the end of the day, we all come together, this picture of a big family. I would say this passage, in my mind, would be stapled on, like, on the, 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 in the dining room. It would be this beautiful thing because I think these are the house rules uh, that as we are believers, these are sort of the house rules. Like we will do this, we will do that. We won't be lagging in zeal. Come on, you, you, you quiet people, tired people. Come on, you, we're gonna be zealous. We're gonna be excited. Come on, uh, get energy in the bones. But also like when someone's evil to you, you're not gonna be evil back. Uh, this is way against the ways of the world, but this is the house rules of the kingdom. This is what it looks like to serve our home, and it extends out. And so these, these are the questions that this is going to ask. And if we have this uh, mindset of serving our home, we're going to ask these questions. How do I approach the family? How do I approach strangers? And how do I approach enemies? And that's really what this passage is. And i got to tell you, if we're going to be a church that serves our home... The home meaning our literal houses, the home meaning Glory Church, the home meaning KC, the home meaning our neighbors, our, our, our neighborhood, our street, then we have to realize that God is calling us to ask, how do I approach my family? How do I approach strangers? And how do I approach enemies? If we're honest, can we all just pause? I, I, I sense in the room there's some, uh, some tiredness. I'm just going to pause and pray because I think that there is something that God wants you to change, shift in how you approach your family today. The parents that God has given you, uh, the husband or wife that he's blessed you with, the, the friends that have become like family because you're so far away from family, he's asking you to change how you serve them. He's asking you to change how you serve the stranger, the, the coworker uh, who just started, who's still a stranger, the one that, that, the, that, that mean person that comes into the grocery store, that, that clerk, the person on the side of the street. He wants to change how you view them, the enemy, the person who has belittled you in public. He wants to change how you see them. So can we just pray? Let's, let's get awakened. God, I thank you so much for how good you are. In fact, in this passage, Lord, the next chapter, Paul is saying, wake up, be alert. Lord, let us realize that these, these rules, house rules, the way of, of living that you call us to as believers, it is not something very easily, easily attained, but God, it takes time. So wake us up, be, allow us to be alert, and allow us to hear from you. In your great name, amen. So the family. Yes, we're going to start with family, and we truly believe that family is the most important ministry. As much as I want to serve you all well as pastor, if it comes at the expense of my marriage, I'm not going to do it. If it comes at the expense of my kids feeling neglected or knowing God, it's not worth it to me, because family is the most important ministry. We believe that our homes are the most vulnerable places that we have. As individuals, it's where we hear lies about ourselves the most. 
as someone who's married, it's where we are more likely to fight because we wouldn't dare do that in front of people. Um, with our kids, it's where we lose our patience, where our tempers rise, where we have, honestly, the most temptation. This is where Satan attacks. And I believe that the biggest witness our, our culture excuse me, will ever see for Jesus is a healthy, God-glorifying family. Because our families, our homes are failing. And I don't say this lightly, um, because it's something that we've had to go through. We've been in ministry for a while. So I want to say this. When we operate and take ownership outside of the home, without first serving through the home, we risk everything. We risk our credibility. We risk our character. We risk our family knowing Jesus. We risk those outside of our family knowing Jesus. And we know this because we've lived it. Um, a little bit about our story. We got married in college. I got pregnant like seven months after that. Um, and we jumped right into full-time ministry. And it was hard. Um, Greg was a youth pastor, and if you know anything about youth ministry, it's a lot of crazy hours, you know, like late nights, students calling all the time, needing help, um, issues with their parents, whatever. And easily it became to where I felt like Greg loved ministry more than he loved our family. And I felt like I was doing it all alone. I was tired. I was weary. Um, I was like, I feel like you don't see me. I feel like our kids never see you. And it was, it was really hard. Um, I honestly thought that, you know, if I needed him or if a student called, he would choose the student rather than me. This is not a good place to be. <laughs> um, not at all, especially if you're trying to teach others how to love like Jesus would. Um, so we had to reevaluate. And it was really hard because, of course, I had to bring it up because he wasn't doing any of it intentionally. He wasn't saying, oh, I don't like my family. He just was deep in ministry because God has called him to ministry. Um, and so I was afraid to bring it up. I didn't want him to think that I didn't support him, that I didn't want him to be a youth pastor. Um, but it was something we had to talk about. So we had to reevaluate. Um, I had to reevaluate my expectations, what I wanted from him, because they were too far off. You know, I wanted him home all the time. I wanted to be able to get a hold of him at every second of the day. That was my expectation, my desires that were too far one side. And then with him, I needed him to value things that I valued. I needed us to come to a compromise of these are the non-negotiables. These are what's good for our family because our ministry outside is going to suffer if we collapse on the inside. Hmm. So, Yeah, and it's the same thing. Like, we're in ministry, but let's talk about your jobs, uh, how overwhelming and how all-encompassing they can become, uh, how you bring them home to you, how the stress at the house uh, is, is automatically less than the stress maybe you feel at work, and so you minimize it because the work maybe you, you yourself can handle. And I think that's where it gets really messy because it's your job, right, 
you are the one who is able to, to get the work done, to, to uh, make those conversations. It's all on you. But then inside of a home, it's nothing about just you anymore. It's all of the people who God is calling you to bring in. If you're single, it's about all the people who God has in there. And it's always going to take more than yourself. And sometimes we can allow that which is outside to be served without serving through everything that is inside. Which means you should always have this home base where people know who you are because they see your marriage at display. They know who you are because they've seen uh, the inside of, of, of who you are vulnerably. Like you're not just doing work outside, but you're always coming in uh, left to our own devices, a home, and left to its own devices, a home will always decay. Everything inside will always decay. Uh, It's entropy. Have you ever heard that? Like nothing just gets better if we left a chair there. Over time, that chair is going to get nasty, and my my five, well, six-year-old daughter won't sit in it. If anything looks dirty, she's not having anything to do with it. Um, but everything does that. Over time, it gets decay. Over time, our faces start sagging. Uh, it just happens. Over time, uh, things just don't get better. The world it, it will always get worse if the hand of God is not. In it, and I think that we often forget that um, this is at work, even in our home, in ways unseen, often until it just blows up. Um, but when it left to its own devices, I mean, when you look at the text again, it there's some things that have to be be at play. Do you rejoice in hope with the people who are around you? Do you rejoice with them, or is everything you do on your own? Because you can't serve a home if you're doing it alone. Uh, The home already depicts multitudes. It already depicts other people, and so it's rejoicing in an expectation of something to come. I think that's the hardest thing, is because I can come home and be very frustrated or drained by the day and not rejoice in the hope of tomorrow with the people who are there. Uh, where it's all about what isn't done versus what will come. We we don't rejoice in hope. Uh, We also uh, don't be patient in suffering. Uh, It's often the suffering of my kids that I get most annoyed at. I'm like, you should get over this. It's often the suffering of your friends that you sometimes get the most annoyed with um, because you know them and you expect them to get beyond it, but they're not. We need to serve our home, which means be patient in the suffering of those around us. Love is so much more than we like to say. We need to persevere in prayer. And it says we, could, we should contribute to the needs of those around us. Can I tell you, entropy will always take over, but I wrote this down, but at the same time that decay is at work, the voice and the will of God is at work. So is the voice and will of the Lord. So those who are married, can I just speak quickly to you? The enemy always wants to uh, slowly decay that which you've built up. The time that you've spent, the, the, the healing that has already gone, to, gone on in the past year, he wants to chip at that. And if we always work outside of the home without being uh, being persistent and serving through the home, then it'll always feel like we're going one step forward and three steps back. And it's the same with our kids. It's the same with our relationships, with our friends. If we don't serve our home, then you can care less about the ministry outside. Uh, it's, it's this person. Have you ever 
been at a, a let's see about you're back in college and you have to work with a partner and uh, you go into their room because they had to get something and you realize it is a pigsty and they're in charge of like organizing your, your, your project. Instantly, you're like, I can't, I don't know how well they're going to be here because of what I see here. It's the same thing. Like the person that we are inside of our home, if we're not serving that which God has given us, uh, the, the qualities, even the, the character that we have, then it will always spill out in a negative sense onto what we try to do outside of the house. The stress, the disorder. I don't like working in my office even when it's not clean. Uh, and it's just like everything, it starts hurting us on the outside. Um, but at the same time, decay is at work. So is the voice of the Lord. And so ownership means contributing to that voice. And this is where I want to pause. When was the last time you contributed to something good that was going on in your home, contributing to something that, that you perceived God was speaking to your kids, you know, the only ones in the, the audience have kids, uh, that you perceived, and I mean, it's the same, like, you, not just working in the ways that we always go to, but when was the last time you, you contributed to the, the, what God was doing in the lives of your friends? Uh, we often don't, we don't contribute to the needs of the saints, and so here's a question, in my uh, little kingdom, am I a contributor or a consumer? And this stretches to, to singles, right? Yeah, I don't want, if you're single, to, for you to think because I don't have a family living in my house that I can just not listen to this. That's what Satan wants you to think. Um, but you can also contribute to the voice of God within your home. Um, the enemy wants you to think that your home is a place of isolation, a place where you're alone. He wants you to listen to his voice or a loading dock, even. Or a like, loading dock, yeah. If you're just there until. Yeah. Um, he wants you to think that it's a place that you don't have the ability to serve in because you're not with other people, um, because you don't have that family yet. But you can still contribute to the voice of God within your own home if you're single. Um, you can tell yourself, like, no, I belong somewhere. I have a place. People love me. I have a family, even if it's not a spouse, even if it's not kids or if I'm not with my parents. I have a family because there are people that love me and I belong with them and they belong with me. I have the ability to open up my home to be hospitable. I like, I'm going to bring Jess out because she's one of my best friends. Um, we did a Bible study together and almost all of us had kids and so we were like, I really can't have it at my house because my kids will just be everywhere. We won't get to actually study. She opened up her home for us even though maybe, I mean, I don't know, maybe she hadn't done that very often before, but it gave us a place to where we could go and where we could talk about Jesus, where we could grow more together because she was bold in that hospitality. Like you have that place to, you can contribute to the voice of God. Yeah, and what that does is it changes our own mindset of what we're in. Sometimes, Sometimes we like to get outside of our apartment or outside of our roommate's life because we, uh, we don't like to, to feel all the weight that is there. 
Um, sometimes it's the silence. Sometimes it's the insecurities. Sometimes, I mean, it's always in, the, in our four walls that we send the most. And, and there's a voice of God in our home that is always at work to redeem things that we like to just put off by redeeming stuff outside. Uh, we, we, we like, we like the, the stuff outside of the house to, to redeem. It's, it's often more pretty. Uh, those of you who've walked into our house when it's a pigsty, you realize our house is not very pretty on most days. Um, it's a lot better to work outside. Um, but, but this idea of contributing and take ownership also is huge here. Um, I'm going to tell you, a church that, that is going to shoot itself in the foot is a church that is run by only the leaders, and it never allows people to realize that, hey, they have influence and power and ability, and it should be on display in this house. Uh, this is a house that you operate in. This is a house that you have, and I want to, if you, if you are part of Glory Church's house, you have influence over. Uh, you get to set the, the, the scene on who and, and what we are, um, and it, it just goes back and forth. Like, there are people who have misconceptions over the box that you often get put in as a believer, as, let's say, a middle-class believer as a as a uh, as a colored believer let's let's as a as a minority believer they like to say like Jesus is a white man we get this like all of these differences but we have ownership in this place to serve our home and to contribute to the voice of the Lord here because especially in a inner city urban church that we're trying to grow a lot of decay is going to happen because what happens in our home is going to be people who have real addictions. What happens in our home is going to be people who have real, real hurt and pain from their past, and so prejudice will come in. What happens in our home are real issues, and we need people who to say, I'm going to take ownership of it. I'm going to, to show up and influence it. I'm going to speak the voice of the Lord versus the voice of fear. I'm going to speak the voice of the Lord instead of the voice of doubt, worry, the voice of isolation, the voice of abandonment. I'm going to speak something different. And you have that, and we have it. This is a principle that, that I have known again and again and been on display that so much of who I am as a man, so much of who you are as a person will be uncovered as you operate in a house. And I'm talking about the house of the Lord. As we operate and take ownership and dive in, maybe it's not your gifting, but I, I know for a fact, Heather and Leighton were like, kids are not my thing. But guess what? They're back there and, and they're serving. And Leighton was like, I'll do it if uh, Hannah does it with me. <laughs> yeah, but they're back there. And something happens when we contribute to the needs of the saints. We start realizing more and more who we are. Uh, right now they're serving as a couple. And what that does to them is, is it's so much powerful than we give it credit for. When I serve with my wife, when we do things together, when we go back home and we, because we served with our friends, our, our roommates, that our, our brothers, our sisters, there's power in that. That so much of who I am has been uncovered through operating and contributing to the needs of the saints, serving in our home. I think that um, churches nowadays, if you look at some of the like, bigger churches, it seems like a church where everyone's serving is like a professional in the place that they're serving in, or they're like perfect in it. We don't want to be a church that like the only people serving in kids are like, 
they run daycares, or the only people on worship are professionals, or graphic design, that's what they do for a living. We want people that want to learn and grow in an area because they feel like God's calling them to it, God has maybe gifted them. We want to help people find that place, like what he was saying. We find so much of ourselves when we submit under a local church and just really serve through that. Yeah. Scripture says uh, at the role of, a pa of pastors is to find the faithful and make them able. And I'm going to tell you what we have a lot of in churches in this world are people who have abilities who want to be used. But it often is at the expense of those who are faithful who aren't then given the ability to. And so I'm going to tell you right now, you showed up on a Thanksgiving weekend. You are faithful. <laughs> right. You are faithful. And I don't care what the, the ability you have or don't have or that you, you may rate it, but there's a, there's a role that you play in this place by just owning the fact that you're faithful and you want to contribute. And that's often where we, we miss. We, we, don't, uh, we lose the faithful because people who are able um, sometimes hurt. I mean, that's where church hurt happens. That you, you come in and there, there's people who are really good at what they do, but it's at, often at the expense of their family, uh, often at the expense of the family. And so we want to be a church that is always serving in this home. Uh, but it continues because we're also supposed to uh, present ourselves and serve the strangers around. Uh, Romans says to, Paul writes, to extend hospitality to strangers and to associate with the lowly, that this is something huge, that this idea of serving our home should be going everywhere. I love that we're talking about peace tonight. That's the theme, peace. Did you know that scripture says that you are peacemakers? Blessed are the peacemakers, for they will be children of God. Like, I would like all eyes on me. I'm going to play the, uh, the youth pastor role. You are by God. If you have him in you, you are, have been transformed, not a maker of chaos anymore. Think about that. You used to only make more chaos. Sin only makes more sin. <laughs> it's just a sad reality. But by God's grace, you have a story of redemption, and now he's given you the role as a peacemaker. I can't make very many things. God is our creator. It's very interesting that this is really the only thing in Scripture that it says we get to make peace. And that's just powerful. Peace is a very interesting word because we live in a world of chaos and to serve our home means to see it and, and, and be a part of it. And not only that, but to bring and make peace in it. Make peace in your, uh, in, in your street, make peace in your job, make peace with your coworkers. And it's a very powerful yet hard thing. Something that Greg has said uh, for a while is chaos known plus chaos owned equals peace shown. So when we know the issue, we figure out the chaos, we see it, maybe like we've adopted a part of truce to clean up. We see the chaos of the trash. We know it and then we own it. We choose to respond in a way that is helpful, that is glorifying to God, and then that creates peace. It doesn't mean everything is fixed, like the street keeps getting dirty, it keeps going into chaos, but we have decided to own it and that we are going to try to make peace no matter what. Amidst the struggle, it's our responsibility to try to create that peace and let Jesus come into that place. Yep, I love that Paul says, like, we, it's our 
right. Like we, it's our obligation to love. And I think this is a huge thing that the people that you rub shoulders with every day, the strangers, but also the people that you work with, there's chaos and we choose to not know it. We choose to not let it be known in our mind. Uh, we choose to not let it be known that there's chaos in our marriage. We choose to not let it be known. Uh, in, like intentionally, we want to think about other things our jobs, our role, what we want to do. And so chaos is unknown, and therefore it's not owned. And so then we wonder why God isn't speaking through this situation, why God isn't allowing peace to, to, to radically transform. It's because we are not taking ownership. We say, oh, someone else will do it. Someone else will do it. I got in this, this habit. Anytime I see a wreck or I need to see something bad or a tree has fallen, I am that person to now call 911. I, it's so funny uh, because I'm like really quick on it and I don't care if anyone else has because it's that, have you ever heard that's that psychological thing that we always think someone else will do it? We always think someone else will do it. Uh, it's like this, this responder disorder that we Bystander have. Bystander effect. Bystander effect, yeah. Uh, so yeah, chaos known and we choose to not know it. We keep our blinders on and therefore we don't own it. And I had to be like in talking this, uh, that doesn't mean fix it. I like to fix. Um, Kate may have a lot of chaos that is going on in her day and uh, as a husband or a dad or a friend, uh, we maybe don't have time for it or we don't want to know the depths of it or when we do know it, we want to fix it instantly. That's not ownership. Ownership is taking on the responsibility that even through it, I'll be there. That's, that's where peace is shown. It's actually going to bring more chaos if we try to fix every need. You know, like it's going to bring more chaos to the street of truth if we just start like manhandling everything to make it clean and better. No, because there's people who live there that are like, this is my window you're trying to clean. Whereas, whereas what real ownership looks like is getting to know those people and allowing us together to do it. And it's always going to empower more people. It's always going to. And that's when real peace is shown, when we do it together, when we realize that you got chaos, I'm going to take ownership and live with it and live with you in it. But at the same time, we're, we're taking this step together. Peace is, is shown. And then he, he also talks about the enemies, the enemies, that we are to be Christ-like. And I'm going to tell you, we are going to have enemies as a church. There's going to be the people who discover that you are a Christian and already designate you as a certain place, already put on you that perception. There's going to be the people who are just straight up mean, always. But our job as people who serve our home is to realize that they are our home too. They are operating in our home and there is chaos to own in that relationship. And often we, we, don't, let, we don't let love be our response. And so I, I've written this down. We can't take, uh, where was it? Oh, a loving response is not birthed during the interactions with the hateful one or the stranger. Instead, that loving response, it happens long before. We have to choose now. The response is a choice chosen now. Think about it. In the moment that that account was shared or that person responds or they say something about us, our job is to instantly, we feel like our job is to retaliate, to uh, you know, fix it, to help. They said something mean. They said something wrong. They were rude. We want to call it out. No. 
we are going to be people who consistently choose ahead of time to respond with love, to serve our home, and that always means to heap burning coals of kindness on their heads. Like, I love that that's what it says. Like, the text is like, be kind, because that will be like burning coals on their head, just to constantly be love, service, hope, kindness, peace to them. And it's something that we constantly have to do. Because enemies and strangers should never stay that way. And that's something we should say, you should say that again. Yeah. <laughs> enemies and strangers should never stay that way. They should always be invited into the family. The point is never to meet a stranger or to let your enemy say your enemy, but to invite them into the family because they also have a place at the table, like Greg was talking about, where the house rules are plastered on the wall. They have a place there. And oftentimes we decide to not invite them, but strangers should never stay strangers and enemies should never stay enemies. They should become family. Yep, that is the point of the kingdom of God. It's supposed to grow. That is a point of a launch team. We are supposed to grow. That is a point of a church, a local church, is that it's supposed to grow um, because strangers should no longer stay strangers. And we meet so many strangers every day. Um, and maybe you know them, you, you, you've known them, but they're still strangers on a soul basis. You don't know them yet. Strangers should never say strangers. Enemies should never say enemies. We should always be on the invite to bring in, on the invite to bring them in. And so I'm going to end almost a little uh, change of gears feeling, but it's going to get a little bit deeper, um, a little bit more personal, uh, because this is where I want to end, because this is something that will honestly, you can take home with you. It's this, that we cannot take ownership of where we are externally without taking ownership of where we are internally. Another way to say this with the word serving our home, you cannot serve your home if you do not constantly seek to serve your soul. And as Glory Church, I want to always be people who are strengthened by the Spirit of God in us to always serve the home that he's given us. Always. But I cannot do that if my soul is believing lies and I'm not doing the work to make it known. Scripture says, confess your sins with one another, and then prayer happens. What you're doing in that, that place, yeah, you're allowing other people to serve you and to, to, be your, uh, to be your shoulders, but you are also serving your own soul by then clearing up everything that is decaying inward so that you can actually be present on the outside. The same thing that we were talking about in the home, the home is of the utmost importance. We can also say the temple of the Holy Spirit, which is the home of the Holy Spirit, which is us, we've become temples of God, is the most important. I cannot serve outside of me without serving through me. Is that weird? Does that make sense? And, and often we love to just overlook this. So I'm going to tell you in this room right now, our anger, bitterness, thoughts of insecurity, thoughts of irrationality, thoughts of fear, thoughts of doubt and worry that you want to maintain by trying to fix everything outside of yourself. There are relationship struggles. There are, are real burdens, addictions that we like to deem as not important because we are doing things important outside of them. We cannot serve our home as Glory Church without always going back to are we serving our soul? 
Are we caring for that which is internal? Are we taking ownership of the problem? Are we voicing the need? Are we asking for help? Uh, that is when really we become free. I think I'm so thankful that already we're in a stage where people ask for help. Um, and it's just been amazing because it's when we do that, that we realize that this is a family and we're free to then operate inside of it. Um, and so I'm going to leave it there because I'm going to have a, a time where we're just all bowing our heads. And I just want to pray over, over the hearts that are in this room. Um, does that sound good? Awesome. Well, God, I just want to right now um, take notice that you are in this place. There are some people who are going to be going back to their hometown this week. And they want to put on a face that they are good, present, that they are okay. But already, they're not going to be able to love their family that they're going home to if they do not own the fact that they are afraid that they are insecure, that they are unstable, that they are still holding on to the bitterness, that there is forgiveness that needs to happen. And so God, may we realize that nothing outside of us can grow and develop the callings that we want to have, the good things that we want to see, the hope that we have for our marriages, our relationships, our kids one day, all of that is going to be halted if we don't always daily say, Lord, tend me. Lord, I hand this over. Jesus, I submit this. God, I give this up. Lord, I can't handle this alone. Jesus, show me who I need to ask help with. So God, I pray that we can be a church that foremost recognizes what it means to take ownership of where we are, that we will be self-feeders, that we will be humble and authentic enough to ask for prayer, for help, so that then we can, with eyes open, be the help, the comforter for someone else. Your word says that we know how to comfort because we've been comforted. But God, I would say that there's some people in this room who you are so ready to teach them comfort if they would just ask for it. You're so ready to teach them how to comfort that stranger, how to comfort that friend. But first, they need to realize that they need it. So God, in this place with open hands, we just pray, teach us, help us, empower us. In your name and for your glory, amen. Thanks for listening to the Glory Podcast. 
For more information about this message or Glory Church, please visit glorychurchkc.com.